You are listening to Aldrin Sampia on SAFM. Well, the president has announced that President Cyril Ramaphosa has terminated the membership of Tabi Lioka from the Economic Advisory Council. This is in light of Lioka's failure to present proof of qualification for her PhD from the London School of Economics. Over the last few days, Lioka has voluntarily resigned from her board um, as well as directorship positions at MTN, Anglo-American, Remgro and Netcare amid qualification scandal. Um, to help us understand the president's decisions and the ethical considerations, we are now joined by Cynthia Skuman, who's a managing director of Ethics Monitoring and Management Services. Um, Cynthia, good afternoon and thank you so much for making time for us. It's a pleasure. Good afternoon to you too. So what, what, what the Tabilioka story has also brought to the fore is some people arguing that she already had um, the intellectual capacity um, to deal with complex matters related to, uh, to the economy. She has the two masters um, and she, needed, she, need not had the, she, she didn't have to have a PhD to be serving on all these boards and, and so forth. If you, take, if you were to compare to some of, her other, um, so some of her other peers that are sitting on boards and, and, and so forth. However, though, for me, the question is also about ethics. Um, it is unethical uh, that she lied, um, but she continued the lie even after she was exposed. Exactly. And I think you make a point that makes this story seem so especially tragic, that she was extraordinarily experienced and very highly regarded. And and so it prompts the question of saying, why on earth did she do this? And and remember, you know, this is recorded when in 2017, um, she, she um, under oath, said that she had received these degrees. You remember the Commission of Inquiry into Higher Education and Training? She, she made that statement way back in 2017 and claimed that she had that PhD in 2008. So, so you look at it and think, you know, for someone that accomplished, it, it almost doesn't make sense. But of course, the outcome is that when you raise the ethical issue, is that, of course, this is flawed in the same way that lying about anything and misrepresenting something else is. And, and it has very serious ramifications. Why do people ordinarily do that? Why do people lie about their qualifications? Um, and I guess it's a, it's, maybe it's a bit different from person to person, because in the case of Tabilioka, as, we, as we've said, that she had the intellectual capacity um, to deal with complex um, economic matters. Yeah, and, and so hers, there, there really is no apparent answer. I think in answer to your question, uh, the answer would be different depending on the seniority of the person. So we could, at a, at a more junior level, saying someone is lying about having a school pass mark or uh, lying about having a degree. Here we could say we understand there's a very tough market out there for employment. And so we could understand, albeit still a disaster, that there trying to improve their chances of getting employment by embellishing lying on their CV. And and when we look at more senior people, uh, the normal rationale would be that that added qualification would not only in some cases significantly improve your remuneration, uh, but it also can put you in a, a in line for a promotion or a position of far greater influence. But, but as you said at the outset, that really doesn't apply in this case. She was already extremely well regarded. What happens to, to the colleagues? Because, for, for instance, if we were to look at the Economic Advisory Council 
and all of her colleagues on that council, um, highly celebrated people, economists as well, that are sitting on this advisory council. Do you think that at some point perhaps um, the presidency may need to consider its approach when it comes to who it appoints to the advisory councils because they say currently there is no need to do the vetting because the person is not um, the person the people are not being remunerated however though um, she would be sitting on a council with peers um, who have also done their research and qualified in 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 um, in their respective fields but these are people who also give opinion and advice to the president and what happens to the integrity of that advice when amongst them they had somebody who is considered to have, um, well, not considered, but actually lied about her qualification. Well, I, I think your point is extremely well made. That, yes, we can argue that vetting is not necessary where it's a voluntary or non-paid position. I, I think that, as you just stated, that is not pertinent at all. The responsibility of the person's input, the influence and impact of their input in that role that they're being appointed to, that's what warrants it, not whether they're paid or not. And and so, frankly, whether it's, uh, you know, as this government appointment, whether it's an NGO, private sector, public sector, it is warranted especially with a senior person because their input is being taken into account and can and will have an impact on others. So, so it absolutely is necessary. And again, um, why is it that some individuals would, be, would, be, um, would have to go through the vetting process or sometimes even with the companies, the background checks and so forth, but other individuals are able to get away with it? Why do you think that is? Is, is there something about the individual um, and how the individual is p- being perceived by society and perhaps maybe by management that is going to employ them that doesn't necessarily... Um, centers its approach around them being suspicious of the qualification? Well, I, I think you raise an important point there. And, and, and let me try and answer it carefully. And, and, and I am generalizing, so, so let me admit that, that I think there's a real trap that organizations need to avoid. That when they're employing senior executives, when they're employing non-exec board members, They're employing people whom they've already got to know in some way or other, and and they're already almost certainly in a measure of trust relationship. And and so the trap that organizations easily fall into is that they're assuming that the senior experienced person doesn't need to be checked. But if you were looking at the junior accountant, uh, they would certainly be that person. And so what this is creating is that that awful trap of somehow senior employees are exempt from all the checks and balances. And and then you almost want to raise some uncomfortable questions of saying, why? What's more trustworthy about them? And, And here's the irony of that trap is that that senior executive or that board member has far greater capacity to influence the organization. And hence, I would put it to you, there is a greater uh, need, a greater responsibility to do that check at the senior level. Uh, It should be done, of course, at all levels. But but I make the point that literally the impact, the 
the authority that vests with those leadership roles places a greater responsibility to do that better. Considering that power dynamics and also the yeah. power of deciding on which way SA Inc. will be going on its economic policy, which way a certain company would be going on its product service and what it is offering. But thank you so much. Cynthia exactly. Skuman is the Managing Director of Ethics Monitoring and Management Services. And I have to, have to say also, I find it really interesting how sympathetic people are at least some people are towards um, um, Tabi Lioka. Like for just an example, uh, this quick X here in response to what Smile Essay had to say earlier on. Um, this person saying that she has been punished enough and will experience a sharp decline in earnings. Can we let it go now? What do you think informs that? 